First John 4:19 KJV We love him because he loved he first loved us
like to welcome everybody this morning. We appreciate the great crowd we have and uh, appreciate our children singing this morning. Just another day the Lord's blessed us with. I got a scripture I want to read. I read it earlier this week and it kind of stuck with me. It's uh, Hebrews 4 and 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And uh, I looked up boldly, um, it's confidence or confidently, and uh, it just stuck with me all week, knowing that I can confidently, in my time of need, go to the Lord, and he'll be there to help me. And uh, I just appreciate the Lord letting me come across that this week, and it stuck with me, and it's it's helped me all week, and uh, it's just, uh, it's great to know, to have that peace, that you know where your help's at. We look forward to having a great day, and I just pray that everybody do everything the Lord have for us this morning. And uh, we'll probably have some visitors here this morning. I just pray that we have a great service, and uh, we'll touch some people today. And I'm ask Taylor to dismiss this Sunday school. morning everybody good to be here already um, I desire your prayers this morning this uh, this lesson got a lot in it and just to be honest there's a lot in it that I probably won't never understand certainly don't at this point but uh, if there's any teaching done it'll be God doing the teaching anyway so y'all just pray for me and uh, I'll do
do the best I can. Uh, I just feel like doing this this way. I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and read a verse, one verse here. Chapter 1, verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Our lesson is in Acts chapter 1, or I'm sorry, chapter 2. Um, before I get to that, I want to read one more verse. Chapter Revelations chapter 6, verse 12. It said, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. That's all I want to read there. Uh, there's a what I'll call a, a misconception uh, about this scripture here. Uh, people in general, uh, a lot of people believe that the day of Pentecost was the first time anybody ever felt the Spirit of God. And that's just not true. There's a, I've got wrote down here there's many, many places. I've got six or seven different scriptures wrote down. I'm not going to go back and read them because I just don't feel it necessary. But several of them start out saying, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Uh, now, the, in this lesson, chapter 2, verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. How many times has this church come together and been in one accord in one place? And when we do that, how many times has God poured his spirit out on us? That's what this is talking about. God's people, when we come together with one mind and one accord, he'll pour his spirit out on that gathering. And he'll bless it. Uh, I was talking to Dad this morning out there, and I said, you know... How many times have we come together and the Spirit been real good and God blesses us and, and, and we, we we're able to move in the, in the kingdom? And then when the service is over and everything comes back down to reality and we leave out of here, we leave the Spirit behind. We've got earthly things that we've got to do. So we could say, if you, if you wanted to, that the Spirit wasn't on us anymore. But when we come back together and we get in one mind and one accord, God pours his spirit out on us. Just like he did here on the day of Pentecost. They was people that, that moved in the spirit all through the Old Testament. But here the church came together in one mind and one accord in one place. And God poured his spirit out on them. I'm going to read verse 2 and 3 together says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And they appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each one of them. Uh, 
I struggled with those two all week, and I still have a little struggle with them because I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in them two verses that I'm not getting. But this morning, I thought about when somebody gets up in a church service or wherever, and they move in the spirit, there is a visual change in their countenance a lot of times that you can see. There's a, there's a sound in their voice in what they're saying that you can hear. Uh, the church got filled up with the spirit on this morning in this room that they were in, and the spirit filled that house. And I believe you could see the looks on their faces. Uh, this, this describes it as a fire that, that is a visual indication that the Spirit was on them. Uh, and if you go back in the Old Testament, uh, the wind, the sound of the wind and the, and the appearance of the fire, uh, all the way back in Moses' day, the burning bush got his attention because it was the Spirit of God and it manifested itself in a flame that did not burn and did not quench. I, uh, that, that makes no sense to me because if you light a flame, it's going to burn something. And if you blow on it hard enough or throw some water on it, it'll go out. But in the Bible, when it talks about the fire and it's a, and it's a representation of the Spirit, it doesn't burn whatever it's sitting on and it doesn't go out until God says it goes out. Uh, Moses also had a pillar of fire that led the people through the wilderness. And nothing in the wilderness got burnt. Uh, it just showed them the way. It was a light from heaven that showed the church what way to go. And it says, verse 4 says, And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'm going to go back to Genesis again, to chapter 11, uh, verse 1, it says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Verse 7, God didn't like what the people was doing. And he said, go to, let us go down there, confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So uh, these guys speaking in other tongues isn't the first time that God made or unmade somebody be able to speak a language they didn't understand beforehand. And this again, here again, this is another verse that had me confused a little bit all week. Uh, go ahead, yeah.
again. I was, I was reading that this week, and uh, I, uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. I guess I don't think those guys spoke in any other language that was undiscernible from anybody else around there. I believe they were heard in a different sound just like you're talking about. I believe it was recognized that they were speaking in the spirit. And, and uh, in one language, if somebody else started, and they couldn't understand it, if God wanted the other person to understand, he could give it to them. That's, that's almost what it's saying. Yeah. Right, and I, and that's what I that's what I feel like feel like that's what happened. I believe uh, I believe that what these guys come out of that room preaching, and it says in in every man there could hear in his own tongue. I believe that was God's way of them hearing it in their own tongue. Uh, let's go on through here. Verse five says, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. So uh, I believe, and this just me, uh, I think because it says they were Jews, devout men from under, out of every nation under heaven, I believe they all spoke different languages. But I believe they all understood enough of a common language because they were all Jews that they could all get together and communicate. Uh, and like I said, when, when these guys started preaching and they could all hear it in their, own, in their own language, I think that was them hearing it the way God wanted them to hear it. Uh, I got another one wrote down somewhere. Where was that? And I thought, too, uh, 
about that situation. I can't, I, I had it somewhere, but I don't know what I did with it. But uh, Philip, God told him to go down and meet the Ethiopian. And this was a fella from Ethiopia, somewhere down in Africa. That's pretty good ways from Jerusalem. So chances are them guys probably didn't speak the same language physically of a natural language but when Philip got down there and asked him do you understand what you read the, un the eunuch understood what he asked him and he said how can I except some man show me and they and they got together and they did what God wanted them to do and they understood each other even though they probably didn't speak the same language they might have had like I said there again they might have had enough of a base language that they could communicate a little bit but God come in between them and let them communicate greatly. And because of that, when this noise was, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? I'm just amazed, really, that what God can do when it comes to that. Um, I hate to I hate to skip on down here, but I, I I myself don't have anything left on how they were communicating, unless somebody else has got something to say, any, anything to offer, would be greatly appreciated.
It's there 24-7. Right. And another thing, I, I, <clears throat> I almost didn't mention this, but I feel like I need to. There's a, there's a, a, a probably a large contingent of people in the world that think that this stuff is talking about speaking a, speaking in an angelic tongue that nobody in the world understands. And then that when they speak in that tongue that, that somebody else will give an interpretation of what that meant. Uh, you know, I've looked all over the Bible and I've tried for years to find a way to show them people that they were wrong and I can't find them. But what I know is wrong is that God is not the author of confusion. Satan is. And that sort of thing is just confusing. If God gives me something to say, I believe he'll give it to me in a way that people around me will understand what I got to say. Just like Peter in this lesson right here. When, he, when Peter got up and started preaching, everybody there understood him in their own language. And that's the kind of language that God works with is one that will, will touch us right down in here and we'll understand what he's talking about. When I was lost and I didn't know the Spirit, when the church got up and moved in the Spirit, I knew there was something going on. And I knew what it was. There, nobody had to tell me that, that the church was moving in the Spirit. I could feel the power in it and I knew what it was. Uh, in my own way. I guess I could say it that way. When I got saved, I learned that language. God gave me the knowledge of that language.
step out of line he's right there to let you know that too I've heard dad say many times and I, I have to agree with it some of the best things in my life to look back on are the times I stepped out of line and God was right there and saying wait a minute son this ain't for you get back over there and and those are some of the biggest blessings that, of my life the times I've listened to him especially but other times I didn't listen and I just kept on going my way we all know them stories too. Uh, see, where was we? Chapter, uh, chapter two, verse eight says, "And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born." Uh, come on down. To the, the scripture goes through all the different places that these people were from, um, and seems to me like there would be a whole lot of different linguistic styles uh, some of the commentary I read about it seemed to think that, that probably most of them were able to speak either Latin or Greek and that's how they could all come together and communicate in their, in their uh, travels but uh I don't know that. that I, think, I think there probably had to be some natural link that allowed them to communicate with one another or, or they wouldn't have continued to, to uh, carry on these traditional celebrations as a whole. I think they would have split off and did their own thing if they couldn't communicate. Um, but then the Bible jumps, or the lesson jumps down to verse 14. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Uh, he wanted everybody to pay attention to what was going on. Uh, I seen a guy one time, years ago, we was at a, at Indianapolis over there for a NASCAR race. And we stayed the night over there in a hotel and got up Sunday morning and went over to the track. And outside of the track, there's just people for miles, crowds of people milling up and down the road, going to different shops and different, you know, vendors out there selling everything you could think of. And down on the one corner heading toward the, the track itself, there was a guy out there with a microphone and a little speaker standing up on a soapbox preaching 
And I say preaching because we all know the preaching don't happen without the church there to back it. And there wasn't a soul there backing that guy. And I thought about that when I read this verse 14. Peter jumped up there, and I don't know where he was at or what he was standing on, but I picture him being on a, maybe on a rock outcropping somewhere looking over everybody or maybe up on a, uh, a balcony or something where everybody could see him. But he lifted up his voice and he let them know, hey, pay attention to what's going on here. And I believe there was enough of the spirit there and enough of the church there that Peter was able to get a hold of heaven and preach to these people. Verse 15, he said, For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. If you go back to verse 13, these people was thinking these guys are full of new wine because they couldn't figure out what they was talking about and why they was out there preaching in different languages. Peter told them, these men ain't drunk. It's real early in the day. Why would they be drinking? Uh, but he wanted, them, he wanted to get their attention. And I think uh, a lot of times when Jesus was trying to get somebody's attention physically when he was on the earth, he would tell them something that nobody wasn't supposed to know. Uh, he would tell them something, he'd say something to them that they thought they had hid from everybody. And Peter got up there and he probably didn't hear none of these guys say that they thought these men were full of new wine. I, I just don't see how he could have. If he was, and, and like I said, there again, I'm looking at it in my mind. I'm, I'm picturing Peter being up on a balcony up where everybody could see him, up on something, up, uh, and maybe away from the crowd just a little bit. But, but in my head, for some reason, I just don't think he heard him talking about that. I think God showed him to say this, and when he said it, I think these people were shocked by it. Uh, I think these people took notice because he told them something in their own language that they could understand and that they they had to sit back and go, how did he know we were talking about that?
I've heard, I've heard uh, hundreds of people say that the day they got saved, it felt like the preacher was talking right to them. The, the, that's the way the Spirit does it. When the Spirit moves, the gospel has somebody to affect. It knows just who to affect. And, that, and the preacher might not know nothing about that person. But when the, when the preaching happens, God knows about that person, and the preacher might say stuff that, <clears throat> that only that person would be affected by. And we don't know these things. Verse 16, Peter said, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Uh, I went back and read in Joel where this come from, and Peter, either, either God was leading his tongue or he was real well studied up on the scriptures. Because what he said in this scripture here is almost word for word the way it's written in Joel. Verse 17 says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Um, the little, little, uh, whatever you call it, it's got a little T by the word, and it has an explanation down here on the Bible on the side that somebody decided they was going to help interpret a little bit. Uh, prophesy in this scripture, is, it says preach. And I don't think it means preach. I think it means predict the future. Because uh, for one, it says your sons and daughters will prophesy, and I've never heard of a woman being called to preach by God. Um, but I think uh, that every time one of us gets up in the spirit and says something for God, a uh, testimony or sing a song or whatever we might do, even if it's not in church, if we're out and, and God gives us a spirit to talk to somebody at work, I think we are, we are doing what this verse is talking about. It's, it's a it's a letting the world know that Jesus came and did what he did for us and letting the world know that one of these days it's all going to come to an end um, 
I started reading up on some of this other stuff that, that if you go on down through here, uh, verse 18 says, And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and the signs in the earth, beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, if you look at all that stuff I just read, there's not a thing in there that, was, that said it was to happen before the end of time that wasn't already happened. The only thing, I, and it's just me in my head, the only thing I could see in here that hadn't happened up until this day was the pouring out of the Spirit on the church. So to me, this whole prophecy of Joel was letting people know that as of the day of Pentecost, Jesus can come back at any time, in any time, any place, because everything in the scripture that was foretold that would happen at the end of time has already happened. Uh, Jesus told them before he left that this generation shall not pass before all these things are accomplished. Everything that, that the Bible says We've got a lot of people, especially right now with the shape the world's in, we've got a lot of people wanting to throw everything up and go, and look what's happening in the world. It's the end of days. It's the, the time has come. That we're looking for the Antichrist. Jesus himself said the spirit of the Antichrist is among us and has always been. We're not looking for anything else to happen before Jesus can come back. It's all happened. It's all done. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. If, if God says it's time to go back and get my children, there's nothing in the prophecy that says, wait a minute, we got to do this first. Or we got to do that first. Everything in there has been accomplished. And, and I don't know why, but I just believe the day of Pentecost was the final thing that the Bible said was going to happen before the end of days. I think ever since the day of Pentecost, we have been living in the end of days. The world, I, I mean, not me personally. I wasn't there. But, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't believe there's another thing that, that God needs to do before he can come back. Yeah, and I've always believed that if 
if my work here for God is done, God will take me home. Be, there would be no reason to leave me here if I'm not going to have anything else to do for God. And therefore, if, if the people that are being saved come to an end, like you said, there's no reason for the church to stay here. So that'd be, that would make perfect sense. Um, I just want to real quick read verse 37. It said, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? There was a time when an 11-year-old boy sat on the front bench and somebody preached to me in the spirit that the end of days is here. God could come back at any moment and take his church away. Are you ready? And the spirit pricked my heart and let me know that I was not ready and I had to in my heart say, God, what do I do? And he showed me what to do through that same spirit. Uh, you run on down through here, and it's talking about all the, I think there was 3,000 or something that got saved that day because Peter preached to them the gospel. Uh, and uh, I guess we better quit. We're running out of time.